Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I start the sermon, I'm going to say thanks to our musicians. This is their uh, third service of the weekend, Dave Winningham on the trumpet, and Diane and Jim Gladstone at the microphones, and uh, Scott Hislop again at the organ, and Scott is also helping to organize all of these things. So, So you guys add so much to the service, and we very much appreciate it. And I'm standing, so you got a standing ovation from me. (laughs) Last weekend, uh, Pastor Kaiser kicked off a summer sermon series for us with uh, a topic that's uh, very much in the news, very much in the headlines, and, and a very important one for us to consider in our nation, in our own lives, wherever that applies. The, the subject, of, of course, of, of racism. Thank him for his words. I think they were very well chosen. I pray that God will guide my words today about a topic that's not in the headlines anymore, not, uh, not on the newscasts or anything, and that's going to be the case for uh, pretty much all the rest of the um, issues in our sermon series on wrestling with the issues. By the way, the, the one that uh, Pastor Kaiser talked about last week had actually been scheduled already. We talked about doing this series several months ago. We, we were planning on it, and it was going to happen a little bit later in the series, but, but current events seem to make sense for it to, uh, uh, to move it up. Uh, the one for today also at least has some application to what's going on around us because it's Father's Day. And so uh, we're going to talk about, well, a little bit about being a father, being a parent, mostly we're going to talk about what it means to be a husband or to be a wife. And, and we're going to uh, jump right into it with this instruction from the Lord um, through Paul. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Now, husbands, this isn't written to us. In fact, uh, when these letters were written, they were written in order to be read orally in the congregations. And there isn't any indication of this, so it probably didn't happen, but I, I'm wondering if, if maybe St. Paul had in mind that the husbands would be excused from the congregation when this section was read, because Paul is not saying here, here you go, guys, you got it made now. Well, I, I want the men to stay. Um, for the rest of this sermon as well. But I'm going to give you permission in the, for the next couple minutes to do what you oftentimes do anyway, and that's to kind of zone out uh, during parts of the sermon because this is for the wives. St. Paul says to wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. I got to tell you, it's always awkward for me to read those words. I don't know how it is for you to hear them, but especially for me as a man. But but see, the problem is that so often anyway, we we bring the wrong meaning into what St. Paul is talking about here. I know the initial reaction can be, well, that's awfully demeaning, degrading, to be told you have to submit to someone, kind of like uh, your feelings or opinions don't count. Just, you're just kind of a, a, a passive, maybe less than kind of figure in the wedding or in the marriage. And because of that, I, I, I know that uh, 
a couple of things have, have happened in the past. Number one is that uh, um, devout Christian women have bristled at these words. I'm kind of on the opposite end. I also know that devout Christian women have suffered because of these words, have, have suffered abuse, maybe physical, maybe emotional, maybe spiritual, because um, they think that, uh, that that's what God demands of them. Not the case. We can talk about that in a couple ways. Number one, I, I know that's not the case. I know that there's no superiority, inferiority at play here. Because so often in the New Testament, Jesus is talked about as submitting to the will of his Father. There's certainly no superior or inferior there. But maybe we can think about it also another way, because another word for submit is yield. And when you're on the road and, and you come to a yield sign, that does not mean that the better car, the most powerful car gets to go first. If that were the case, I'd be sitting at, at most intersections for a very long time. No, what this means is that no matter what car you are driving, you won't try to force your way through when another car is going a different direction in the intersection. It is not a matter of one being superior to the other. It is a matter of trying to avoid collisions. Someone decided that, that cars going one, may, one way should yield to cars that are going a different direction. And I, I think, don't we all agree that, that we're all better off if everybody obeys those rules? Very similar, not the same thing, but very similar in a marriage. God decided that in order to keep marital collisions to a minimum, one partner should be prepared to yield, to submit to the other. Although right here is where the analogy to a traffic sign breaks down. This doesn't mean that the husband always has the right of way, that he always gets his own way. Not at all. Wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord, not as if he is Lord. I think you see the difference. And really it all hinges on what Paul says to husbands. So husbands, it's time for you to uh, come back into this conversation. And, and, and Paul says to us, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We're going to come back to that, but just before that, he also says this, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And do you know what the most important words in that sentence are? The last nine, even as Christ is the head of the church. The husband isn't just the head of the wife, he's the head of the wife in the same way that Jesus is the head of the church. I know a lot of people think that this, this whole notion is hopelessly outdated, but it isn't. In fact, it's revolutionary. It was at the time of Paul, continues to be so today, maybe not in exactly the same way. But at the time when, when Paul wrote these words, nobody would have argued with him about the man being the, the head of the house or, or the head of the wife. Everybody assumed that to be the case. No, what Paul needed to do was, was to redefine what this headship is all about. And that's what he does in a couple of verses after this one. When he says, here's what it means, guys, to be the head of the wife. It means to love her. 
To love your wife just as Christ loved the church and, and gave himself up for her. A man loves his wife when, like Jesus, he denies himself and makes her welfare and her happiness her, his number one goal. That means that he seeks to serve her and he is willing to sacrifice for her. To serve her the way that Jesus serves all of us, humbly and gladly. To sacrifice for her the way Jesus sacrificed for all of us, lovingly and graciously. Do you think that might impact a, a wife's desire and ability to submit to her husband if she knows without a doubt how much he loves her, that he wants what's best for her and, and for their marriage? Not that he's the only one who can figure that out, of course, but that he sacrifices for her and, and he's willing to serve her. So that on those very rare occasions when they, when they can't agree, then maybe she says, okay, I will submit on this one. But see, it all hinges on the instruction for husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The problem is we're not so good at that, are we? Husbands aren't so good at loving our wives and, and wives aren't so good at, at submitting to our husbands. Uh, yeah, wives submitting to their husbands. And we need to be honest about this because loving my wife as Christ loved the church is a wonderful goal, but it also sets up me and every husband for failure. Submitting to their husband is a wonderful goal for wives, but it also sets up every wife for failure because we are sinful and, and selfish human beings. There's no such thing as a perfect husband any more than there are any perfect wives out there. See, we, we all need to confess our sinfulness and our selfishness and to do that to each other and to God. We need to forgive each other and to receive forgiveness from God for, for that sin and, and for every sin. We, we, we want to rejoice in the fact that Jesus loves us no matter what. And that he continues to love us even when we fail to love others as he would have us to do. Now I'm going to take a little uh, liberty right now. That the title of this uh, sermon is Husbands and Wives. Well, it was the title. The nice thing about not having a sermon outline is I can change anything I want to on the, uh, on the PowerPoint. So we're going to expand this a little bit. It's Father's Day, so we need to talk a little bit about being a parent, don't we? And St. Paul doesn't stop in Ephesians with talking about um, husband and wife. He talks about parents. I want to say a couple things in this regard as well. Number one, the best gift a father can give our children is is to love their mother, to follow St. Paul's instructions for, for a husband. The next best gift that a father, that parents can give to their children is to expect them to pay attention to St. Paul's instruction to children. And that is found in uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. 
Now kids, I know that isn't easy. And I know it doesn't sound like much fun. But I also know that's what God wants, and I know why. It's because of of the very last part of that sentence. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What God is saying is that our parents, when we're young, our parents stand in the place of God. And just as God loves us, so parents love our children, of any age, of course. But, but when it comes to our young children, it's a different relationship, we know. So, so just as, as God loves us and wants the best for us, so kids, your parents love you and want the best for you. And when they tell you to do something, it's, it's because they have your best interest and that of the whole family in mind. It's not to say that parents never make mistakes, never do the wrong things, or do things for the wrong reasons. St. Paul has something to say about that as well, just a little bit later. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Another translation, I'm going to stick with the other translation here, says, do not exasperate or maybe frustrate would be a word, I, but I thought of it, I'd have put that on these slides. But fathers, do not exasperate or frustrate your children. What exactly does that mean? So we're going to answer with some don'ts and do's. For one thing, fathers frustrate our children when we have little or no interest in what they are involved in or are excited about. It's easy to do that, isn't it? To ignore our kids. Not that we do it intentionally. It's, it's just that we have busy lives and, and we have important grown-up things to do. Yeah, I've used that one before as well. What could be more important or grown-up than giving to our children and this can also apply to grandchildren, of course, to giving to our children the time and the energy that they deserve. Not to go to the other extreme and to indulge them or, or to act as if they are the center of the universe. To, to pay attention to them, though, and, and to be involved with them. Another way that I think we uh, frustrate our children is by something we do not do, but we should. And that is to offer words of praise to them. They need, and, and this is at any age, right? Our kids need to hear from us that we are proud of them about what they are doing that's right. Again, we know that not everything they do is right. And so, and so sometimes they need to be criticized and sometimes they need to be disciplined. But what a powerful effect words of, of praise can have in the life of a child, especially coming from the father. Finally, I'm going to, uh, to revise the statement that I made just a little bit earlier when I said that the best gift that a, a father can give his children is to love their mother. mother. That's still a great gift, no question about it, but actually there's one that's better. The very best gift that parents can give to their children is to teach them about their heavenly father who loves them more than any human being ever could who loves them and us in in a way that no other human being ever could husband or wife parent or child 
who loves us with an everlasting love. With a love that we in no way have earned or deserved. With a love that just flows from God because of who he is. Spouses, that's the way we want to love one another. And and parents, that's the way we want to, to love our kids. It's also what we want to teach them and to show them the love of Jesus. In his name, amen. Give you that. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.